Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. You guys, we got some fire today. We're jumping into Acts chapter 27. We're rounding that out. As you guys come in, please let me know where you guys are from and what time it is. So yeah, we got uh, Acts chapter 27 today. We are we are almost done with the book of Acts. Tomorrow is the final chapter. We finally get to see uh, you know Paul arriving at his destination. And um, from there, we're going to do a digital altar call tomorrow. So a great day to have friends, family, people who might not know the Lord. You guys, this is beautiful. We got people from Manila, Miami, Michigan, Tucson, Arizona, Australia, I love to see it. This is a worldwide ministry. I am humbled, blessed, and uh, just absolutely honored that you guys would spend time with me in the morning all around God's Word, right? It's not about me. It's not about how we do things here. It's just, uh, we're talking about the Lord, man. We're talking about Jesus. And it's encouraging to know that there's people around the world who are getting up every morning for some devotion to Scripture for a little bit of fellowship, for a little bit of accountability, some consistency, some discipline. It's all about Jesus. You guys, all about Jesus. So let's jump right in. Let me do some house uh, housekeeping first off. If you guys are new to this, maybe you're like, what is this? This is my first time here, Coffee and Prayer. <clears throat> we collectively read one chapter from the New Testament, one chapter from the Old Testament. We've gone in chronological order. Today is Acts chapter 27 in Psalm 109. We started in Matthew chapter 1. And we started in like Proverbs. So uh, we, we started on whatever date it was, we started on that Proverbs. So if it was like the 25th, we started on Proverbs. 25. We finished Proverbs and then restarted in Psalms. And so um, here we have gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're about to finish Acts and we will start Romans on Monday. Um, I'm jazzed about it, man. I'm actually super excited about it. I'm going to pin that. That's just for uh, thank you. Somebody was quick, 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 quick. I love it. That's what we're doing. Acts 27 and Psalm 109. So what we see is that um, in Acts chapter 26, Paul was before King Agrippa uh, and, and, and Governor Festus. Is that right? And um, while he's there, you know, he, he goes in front of them. He shares his testimony. He shares his story. They find absolutely nothing wrong with him. He, you know, Festus thinks he's a little crazy, um, but Agrippa, he's just like, no, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the Jews and and their 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 Mosaic law and what they believe. And I've even heard of Jesus, so it lines up with that. They find nothing wrong with him. And they say we can let him go, but he's appealed to to see Caesar. He wants his case to be heard by Caesar, and he wants to go to Rome. Uh, Jesus even came to him in a vision, came to him and said, hey, you're going to Rome. And so here we find they are finally setting off. So uh, it was decided that they would set out for Italy and they go with an officer named Julius. But as you know, as you guys will read Acts chapter 27, there's a little bit of resistance, right? There's a little bit of resistance of him getting there. So uh, on their way, they find a ship, they find a, they find some transportation, and Julius is a centurion who's been put over Paul, um, basically watching him. But he's really kind to Paul. Even at one of their stops, while they stop in a city, he allows Paul to go off and see friends, like friends from the church. So they get to this port. He knows people, and he's just like, all right, go. Uh, kind of like, hey, be back by, my, by midnight or whatever. Be back before we set sail. So he's actually kind. Paul has favor. And it's just like Paul's been under house arrest for a couple of years. He, it's been like a really light one. He's had free reign. Uh, it, it's been a time, and I've spoke on this you know, often. He, he had to be patient, and while he was being patient, he had a heart posture. He was serving God. He was ministering. He was finding favor. I, I believe that he was studying. Like While he was waiting, even though he wasn't in Rome, he wasn't where God said that he was going to be, he, was, he had to be patient. But while he was patient, he was patiently pursuing God's will, plan, and purpose. He wasn't there moping around or upset or wagging his fist at God. I'm sure that he was making the most of the time that he was there. And so uh, as they are sailing... 
You know, there's some there's some issues. There's the wind. Like you got to think about it. Like when you're sailing back in the day, you don't have a motor, right? It, it's not that easy. So you kind of go where the wind takes you. You've got to catch the wind. You've got to pay attention to the way that it's blowing, to the trends, like looking out on the horizon, you know, making sure that you're seeing. Does anybody out there sail? Like you guys could probably break this down. It probably means more to those of you who actually sail with the wind. But back then they didn't have a motor, so they couldn't just like power forward they had to go wherever the wind was taking them and so you know Paul as we get into like first Corinthians we'll understand that Paul was very well traveled he'd taken some time he's done some traveling he's already found himself shipwrecked in the past that we haven't gotten to that point but we'll find out so he he's aware of what the weather looks like and how things are blowing even so where it's it's a little more advanced than some of these sailors he has no agenda these sailors want to get to a specific place they have deadlines they have cargo they have things that they need to do and so they kind of ignore the signs they're just going to power through it. And Paul even warns him. He's like, I can see, this is verse uh, 10. He says, I can see that there will be a lot of trouble on this trip. The ship, the cargo, and even our lives may be lost. But the captain and the owner of the ship did not agree with Paul. And the officer believed with what the captain and the owner of the ship said. And so since the harbor that he wanted to pull over, he wanted to stay there for the winter, let the weather pass, and then they can get back on track. Uh, since the harbor wasn't a good one, they said they're going to stop over in Phoenix. That's where we're going. We're not going to stop here where we're at. We're going to push forward and we're going to get down to Phoenix. That's a better place for us to, to hold up. And so we talk about the storm, man. A good wind began to blow. Um, and then the men at first, they thought they were like, oh, this is the, this is the wind we wanted. Okay. And, and now we got it. And so it says that they pulled up the anchor. They started to sail. But then a very strong wind, this, this wind was named. It says a very strong wind named the Northeaster. Like when you're, listen, when you're naming a storm, my guy, listen, <laughs> the only storms we name are usually hurricanes, right? Hur El Nino, right? Hurricane Hugo, Hurricane Andrew, like uh, Hurricane Katrina. Like when you start when you start naming storms when they're like, you know, detrimental to your life. Like it gets serious. So he says, a very strong wind named the Northeaster. My, I'm what I'm believing. What I'm thinking. This is no just wind. This is a hurricane, right? This is something when you name it, it's serious. So the Northeaster comes in and the ship was caught in it and could not sell against it. And so they stopped trying and let the wind carry us. And what we'll find out is that this wind everywhere, the wind blew, it blew them further away from land, off their destination, out towards the ocean. And it says, uh, the men took the lifeboat in and they tied the ropes around the ship to hold it together. So if their lifeboat was dangling, if it catches water, it starts to flood and it's tied to the ship and it's going down, it's bringing the ship down with them. So they pull that up, right? They use ropes to try to hold the boat together. Again, this isn't a ship. This isn't like the Titanic, you know, RIP. That's, well, that's probably not a good uh, a good analogy because we all know the Titanic went down. It's like the Queen Mary, okay? It's it's not like a, a big metal ship. It's a, it's a boat made out of wood. So they're trying to hold this bad boy together in the middle of this torrential downpour and hurricane named the Northeaster. And um, what happens is uh, they start throwing cargo out. A day later, they start throwing the ship's equipment out. And, and the reason why is, you know, the heavier your ship, I'm again, I'm not a sailor. This is like, I don't want to say it's common sense, but you're probably thinking, and I was thinking to myself, like, why were they throwing all this stuff out? And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, all my sailors out there, is that the more things that you have, the heavier you are. And typically when things are heavier, they move quicker, right? The other thing is that uh, they don't want to run into sandbars. And so the more weight you have, the further down you are in the water and you're more likely to hit something. So the lighter you are, it slows you down, but it also raises you up so you don't run into um, sandbars and reefs an assumption <laughs> an assumption uh oh man so so maybe that's why but all i know is they're throwing stuff out vicky says check right on i love it maybe that's some uh maybe that's some confirmation it's true it's true i don't know i think that's why oh yeah the coffee's warm at best and so um <clears throat> what we see is the, the they couldn't see the sun or the stars for many days and the storm was bad 
and it says, we all lost hope of being saved. Understand, this is Luke writing, and he starts talking because Luke is with them. Uh, he says, we lost all hope of being saved himself also, right? He was just like, dude, we haven't seen the sun. We haven't seen the stars. We're blown off track. We'll find that many of them weren't eating. They've thrown stuff overboard. They're being blown to and fro. There's ropes holding the boat together. They've lost all hope. And it said, after the men had gone without food for a long time, Paul stood up and he said, look, you should have listened to me. Like, this is kind of like an I told you so, right? Uh, they ignored Paul's warning. He said, please, like, guys, don't. Let's let's stay here. It might not be safe, but let's not move forward. The captain's just like, listen, this is what we're doing, okay? This is what we're doing. We're going for it. And, uh, you know, Paul comes through with a very subtle, men, you should have listened to me. Right? You should not have sailed from Crete. Then you would not have lost all, you would not have had all this trouble and loss. But then he gives him some reassurance, re, re, reassurance, reassurance. He says, but now I tell you to cheer up because none of you will, will die. Only the ship will be lost. Last night, an angel came to me from God, uh, the God I belong to and worship. The angel said, Paul, do not be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. And God has promised you that he will save the lives of everyone sailing with you. So have courage. I trust in God that everything will happen as his angel told me. But we will crash on an island. We're not done, but I want to share from this place. Holy Spirit, help me. Okay. We understand that Paul has been trying to get to Rome since chapter one of Acts. Here we are, Acts chapter 27. He is yet to make it there. Uh, he has been reassured. He has been encouraged. Even, you know, God came to him and said, hey, you're going to Rome, right? Uh, here again, an angel of the Lord says, hey, you must stand before Caesar. So what we would typically do, what I would typically do, and you can probably you know, understand. I believe that God has put visions, dreams, goals, and uh, uh, destinations in your heart. He's planted seeds. There's places that God wants to take you. And, and many of us, because it doesn't happen according to our schedule or according to our plan, we lose hope, right? In the middle of a two-year house arrest, we lose hope. We lose, uh, uh, you know, the vision, the dream, or the destination. In the middle of a storm, when everything looks bleak, Everybody around you has given up hope, right? We must hold tight to the promises of God. Listen to me. God does not lie. He is not like a man. He is not like a man. Uh, if he has said something, he is going to do it. And, and even though it might not look like that, right? We have to understand that Paul was being, he was beat. He was held onto. He was wrongly accused and incarcerated. Now we find him in the middle of a storm, a middle of a hurricane, right? The boat underneath him is falling apart. The people around him have lost hope, but Paul still has his eyes on the prize. His eyes are on the promise of God and he is a beacon of hope, inspiration, and encouragement to all of those who have lost hope because he's holding tight to the promises of God, right? The promises of God. I don't know what you're going through. I have no idea what you're dealing with. I don't know what God has placed on your heart. I don't know the promises, the plan, the will, and the purpose that he has for you. If you're watching this, I can promise you that he has a plan, a purpose, and a will. We, we, we must hold tight to whatever that is. And if you don't know, right, there's a difference between like the, 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 the purpose, the purpose of all of our lives. We're followers of Jesus. Our purpose is to make him more known with all of our talents, our gifts, our resources, our time, our energy. That is what our, our purpose is. That's what we were created for, to give him worship, to give him praise. And, and once we're saved, no, we're not servants. We're his friends, but we are meant to serve him with all that we have. We're no longer our own. We were bought with a very expensive price. And, and the very least that we can do, it is our our absolute privilege to serve our friend, our father, right? As his child, as our, as, as children, the very least that we can do, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to serve and wait on God most high. That is your purpose. But, but now uh, there's a plan and there's a destination and there's things that God wants to do in your life. And there are promises that he will attach to you through obedience as, as, as you step up to the plate, listen to me, 
right? It says, if you love Jesus, you will obey him. It says that the, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. God is looking for individuals who will step up to the plate and say, Lord, send me. God, I surrender everything. I don't want my own will, right? I want your will. I want you to use me as a vessel for the Holy Spirit. I want to be a light in this dark world. I want to spread the love and cheer and, and the good news. I want to share the gospel around the world. I want people to get saved. If you will submit yourself, if you will surrender your own life, if you will lose your life for his sake, he will take you places. He will do things in you and through you. And through you, he will use you right as a as a beacon of hope when everybody else around you has lost hope when the ground's breaking out from underneath and the hurricane of life is coming at you and people around you have basically thrown in the towel he can use you as a beacon of hope to encourage other people to hold on to hold on to God's promises and to say hey cheer up hold on to God he has promised us a place and we're going to that place. And in the meantime, trust him. Let him in. Know that he is going to take us. He is who he says he is. He, If he's called you to it, he will bring you through it. He will get you to that place. And I know that in the middle of the storm, everything looks so bleak. Everything looks so, so depressing and challenging. And you might not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But that is why we have coffee and prayer. That is why we have the word of God. Is because we hold on to his promises despite our circumstances. Despite what we can see around us we must understand that there there is a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm just because this the, the physical realm around you doesn't look like anything is happening understand that there is a spiritual battle going on in a place that we can't see God is opening doors he's breaking strongholds he's setting captives free he's lay, laying the pavement and the foundation he is clearing a path he is blazing a trail before you and and while we are waiting for him and for things to go on in the spiritual realm clearing a path we must stay ready we must stay hopeful we must put our faith in him we must trust that he is who he says that he is that he is faithful that he is true that he will do what he says that he will do we must hold tight to to his promises that are found in the word. And if you don't know what his promises are, that's why we devote time, energy, and effort to knowing him better. Because when we know the character of God and who he is and who he says that we are, when we understand his love and his mercy and his grace, but we understand his jealousy and his coming judgment, and we understand how he operates, we can start to hold tight to him. We can cleave to him. He can, we, can, we can find rest in the shadow of his wings. He becomes our strong tower he becomes our refuge he becomes our everything amen oh we're preaching it's saturday i had to open the garage it's too hot i'm already sweating it's too much glory to god we got to hold tight and that's what that's what i see here right i see paul holding tight and he is a beacon of encouragement and hope I mean, he throws that small little, right? I, I, he, goes, he, he gives them a little, I told you so. Like, I told you guys so. Like, you guys weren't listening. I'm coming from a place of wisdom. Like, I care. I love you. I want to see you. I, I, I want to get to this place. I don't want anybody to be lost. Like, had you listened, we could have gotten all of these things. Everybody, we could have got there safely. I told you so. You didn't listen. But here, I want to encourage you guys. Eat something. Here, sit down. Right in the middle of a storm. The, the, the wind's coming in. They haven't seen the light. They can't see the stars. The, 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 the wood is breaking out from underneath them. And he says, the, the God that I believe in, the God that I follow... Listen, the, the, the God that I trust, he came to me and he said, Paul, do not be afraid. Fear out the door. Don't be afraid. Listen to this message. You must stand before Caesar. This is the promise that I've given you. This is a place that you're going. I have placed this on your heart. There's a vision, a dream. There is a purpose for you being in Rome. And God has promised you that he will save the lives of everyone sailing with you. These are promises. So men have courage. I trust in God that everything will happen as his angel told me, but we will crash on an island, right? There's consequences to your actions. You guys ignored me. You didn't listen. Uh, you, you know, you turned your back on me. You're like, ah, I don't trust this guy, Paul. He's a prisoner. What does he know? So you're going to lose all your cargo. You're going to lose the ship, but not one hair on your head will be harmed. Everybody will live. And at the end of the day, right, the, the breath in their lungs, the pulse, uh, that, that far outweighs and surpasses like the stuff, the, the temporary things. It's funny that in the, when your life is on the line, 
how 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 little things matter, right? Uh, I, I believe if everything was smooth sailing and everything was calm, they wouldn't think twice about throwing food overboard or cargo or equipment because they, they, it's so important and it's so valuable. They count the cost. If we throw this cargo over, then we, we lose the job. We fail the assignment and uh, it might affect our business, right? Or we throw the equipment over, then now how are we going to be compensated for that? We don't want to lose those things. But when your life's on the line, those things become really unimportant right? They're really quick to throw over the cargo. They're really quick to throw over the equipment. They're really quick to do whatever it takes to save their lives. Uh, and and, and I, I find that, that we can use that in the sense of like, okay, all of the things of this earth we cleave to, we hold on to, these materials, these, these uh, experiences, these things that will rot and have an expiration date, we hold tight to them. But, we, but in the scope of eternity, in the face of your mortality, none of those things matter. None of those things truly matter. And we should get in that place where we're so desperate for our souls. We're so desperate to, to live a life on fire for God. We're so desperate for a relationship with him that we're willing to throw things overboard that might be interfering with God's mission, plan, and purpose. We need to, oh man, Holy Spirit, I don't even know. I don't think you guys are ready for this. Because when I start preaching on this, the legalistic like people so so this is what i this is what i'm understanding there are very legalistic individuals people who are pharisees people who um are really like you know this is what it is and and they use the law to attack people and trip people up and so when i start talking about what i'm about to talk about right people get uncomfortable because what they'll do is they will twist and manipulate scripture in order to allow certain things. They're not ready to let these things go. And so um, what they do is they, they, they use scripture to kind of like twist it and manipulate it. And then they try to project. They go, oh, well, you're just being legalistic. I'm, I'm going to share this with you, right? We need to throw overboard the things of this world, right? Music that doesn't line up with God. I, and you might be going, well, I love this music. And you know what? My relationship with God is great. You're being legalistic. I'm a Christian. I can listen to whatever I want because God is in it, right? There's literally a movement of Christians who are saying that it's okay to cuss because the meaning behind the word, like we are twisting and manipulating scripture in order to fit our own personal agendas and those who don't line up with it. I'm not legalistic. I just want to see you guys rise to another level, right? We need to throw overboard things that aren't lining up with God's plan, purpose, and will. Uh, you know, people are struggling in their life and they're bound and then they're, and they're fighting to hold on to things of this world. And I'm sitting here saying, look, if you guys want freedom in these areas, stop listening to crap music. Stop watching crap movies and shows. Stop entertaining yourself. Stop looking at pages and social media things that, 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 that glorify this world. We are called to be set apart. We're supposed to be different. We're, we're not supposed to conform to the image of this world, right? If somebody says, oh man, I didn't even know you were a Christian, that's not a compliment, right? We're called to be as innocent as a dove, yet cunning as a serpent, meaning that we can use some of the tactics and ideas and the ways of this world as long as we're not compromising the word, we're not compromising our relationship. And so when I challenge people, hey, do me a favor and stop listening to this kind of music. You know, they're, they're so quick to defend it. And they're just like, well, no, but it's good. And, 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 you know, well, this artist really meant this behind the meaning of the music. And then you look at the fruits of their life and they're still bound by certain things, pornography or, or whatever. Like, oh, there's so much that I want to share. Holy spirit. I'm overwhelmed right now in the spirit. I'm overwhelmed. Because we can go, oh my goodness, we can go into more detail. You know, we did the Daniel fast uh, in, in January. Was it January? I don't remember. We did this Daniel fast. And, um, you know, what, what happened is a lot of people were just like, oh, I can give up all these foods, but I can't give up caffeine. Okay, I can't give up coffee. So if you're in a place where God's calling you to be set aside and you say you can't do something, that's a problem. Right? I can't give up this music. I can't not listen to my favorite artist. I can't not drink coffee. I can't not do these things. If, if you have a spirit of can't, if you can't not set something aside, then my friend, we have an issue, a larger issue at hand. Right? We should be able to walk away from anything 
and everything in this world for a period of 10 days, for, for we, we should be able to set anything aside for God. It is a higher calling. So when I started announcing it, everybody's like, oh, I could eat the vegetables. I just can't not do coffee. That's a problem. That is an addiction. That is bondage. That is something that you're literally saying, I love God, but I can't let go of this. Like, what? I love God, but I can't not listen to my favorite artist. I love God, but I can't not stop watching this show. I'm too invested. I'm on season seven. There's 10 seasons. I've got to finish it, right? God is going to call you to some places and ask you to let some things go. So don't be surprised that when you are holding on to things and you're not willing to let those things go, don't be surprised when God's not using you to the maximum potential right? It says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The workers are few because many people don't want to let certain things go. And, and maybe God's just challenging you. Hey, let it go for 10 days. If we can't let something go for 10 days, right? That is a stronghold. That is bondage. That is an issue, right? We need to be able to be, we need to empty ourselves of us so that we can fill ourselves with him. And so if, if there's a can't, if there's can'ts in your life where you can't let something go, you need a little, maybe some reflection, maybe a little, maybe a little more time in the word, maybe a re-evaluation of your relationship with God, right? And this isn't, I'm not saying this to condemn. This isn't condemnation. Um, this is coming from somebody who loves you and wants to see you walking in the fullness of what God has for your life, right? We can't fill ourselves up with the Holy Spirit if we're halfway filled with the world. Does that make sense? That's a tweet, right? You can't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit if you're already full of the world and the things that are in it. And we need to empty ourselves so that we can fill ourselves with him, right? Imagine me having this coffee cup and it's already filled up to here with water. And then I want, I want coffee in it and I fill it the rest of the way up with coffee. How's that going to taste, right? Somebody, oh, you got coffee? It's like, no, I got water with a splash of coffee. I need to empty this thing all the way out so then I can fill it with what I truly want. And what's happening is many of us are going to God and we're already full to the brim with the things of this world, drugs, sex, pornography, alcohol, idolatry. There's things in our lives that we are filling ourselves up with and there's just a little bit of room at the top and we go, okay, Lord, here we are, fill us up. And he's good and faithful. He's gonna put what he can in there. But, but at the end of the day, what comes out, right? Now, when you're challenged with this world, I've filled myself up with the world. And so now when the storms, the issues, the trials, the tribulations, the hard times, the things of life happen, right? What comes out of me? Well, I might have a little bit of patience. I might have a little bit of love. I might have a little bit of kindness. I might have a little bit of gentleness. I might have a little bit of self-control. I pour it out. And then what comes out after that? The world, the things of this flesh, anger, wrath, jealousy, envy, worry, fear, confusion, depression, anxiety, all of those things come pouring and rushing out of me because I am not filled with God. That was a prop, by the way. Even though it's my coffee cup, we're using props again today. I love it. I absolutely love it. We're using props. I love when I get to use props because I don't get to use props very often. But does that make sense? Please don't miss it, right? Right? We, we wonder why we're not having victory and authority in certain areas of our life yet. We're coming to God filled with this world, asking him to fill us. Oh Lord, we sing these worship songs. God, fill me. I'm yours. Right? You're, you're my everything. We sing that on Sunday, but then Monday we're right back into the things that we're bound. You see, oh, Holy Spirit, we are called to, to, to worship God more than just on Sunday and just at church, right? Oh my Lord. It's, it's not just a one. Oh my Lord. So if when, when you're hearing coffee and prayer, you're connected to God and you feel good. But then when you get off of here, you know, you go back out to the world. We were never called to disconnect from God, right? And there's nothing that says that you have to disconnect. As we sit here in the word and we sit here in prayer and there's 450 of us and we're here together and we're worshiping God and the word is in our heart and we're being spoke to and there's conviction and there's repentance and there's this place where we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? When we shut this down, that doesn't mean that you're disconnected to God until tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m. Right, Because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, it tore the veil. Right, Our sins were forgiven. And the, the, the beautiful thing is now because there is no sin that separates us from God, we have access to him 24-7, seven days a week, right? 30, 28 to 31 days a month, 12 months a year, every day, every moment. We don't just show up 
and then we spend time and then we cut it off and then we go on with our life. He is with us always. This connection doesn't have to stop. We can stay plugged in. You guys can stay plugged in after coffee and prayer. It's not something like, oh, that was a good coffee and prayer. Wow, pull the cord out and then we'll catch up with you later. God, we'll see you tomorrow at 5.30. You feel me? So, whew, Holy Spirit. Uh, I guess I guess this is that, that part where I'm not trying to be legalistic, um, but I am really challenging you guys and encouraging you guys. And, and don't get me wrong, man. I go to the gym. I go to a CrossFit gym. I'm with other people. I'm in like the world. I'm in public. So, you know, I'm not walking around and song comes on. I'm like, oh my gosh, turn off that secular music. I don't want to be feeling the world. No, like I'm a normal person. Like I, I hear music at the gym and I'm like, oh, I remember that song. But when I choose, like my choice, uh, when I get into the car, I plug my little aux cord in and I'm, I'm filling myself. It's my choice and it's my decision. I'm filling myself with words that bring glory and honor to God. I don't want to hear about sex. I don't want to hear about relationships. I don't want to hear about sadness or depression or dogs dying or, you know, driving up dirt roads, kicking the tires because of a heartbreak. I don't want to hear about, you know, a highway to hell. I don't want to hear there's good music out there and it's just like, yeah, I love it. It's great. But I, I want to fill my time, my energy, my effort, when it's my time to choose music, I want to choose music that takes me higher, that puts me in a state of worship and praise and gratitude and thankfulness, a reminder that he is with me right here in this moment, right? And, and I get that that might not be for you. This is my personal conviction. Uh, and so you don't have to agree with me. You can be like, no, I, I'd much rather listen to, you know, whatever I listen to. And, and that's what really puts me in the mood. Okay. That's between you and God, but I'm, I'm encouraging you guys. I'm, I'm trying to call you higher to a deeper relationship with God where you're choosing him over and over and over and the things of this world don't have their, their hooks into you. You're able to choose over it, right? Does that make sense? As I'm, as I'm watching TV shows and, and watching things, I, I've gotten into a lot of different series on, on different uh, streaming platforms. And what happens is they, they'll start good, but I, I'm like, I'm stopping it at episode two, episode four, maybe even get through a season as they change directors. Like if things don't sit right, if the language is too much, or if there's sexual, uh, there's a lot of, of sex scenes and stuff like that, as these things increase, I'm, I'm like, man, that was a good show. But now, like, it's just now it's all about sex or they just keep dropping the F-bomb. I got to unplug. I have to have discernment. I have to use wisdom. And many of us will just power through it. You know, we'll just, we'll watch. It's a good show. I'm going to just watch it. And we'll continue to fill ourselves. Anyway, I digress. Let me get back to the scripture. I'm just on a rant right now. I don't apologize, but uh, it's something that has been, for me, it has been paramount. And it has been a game changer, um, just like coffee and prayer, 120 days in a row of coffee and prayer and spending more time in the word. And what I found is the more time that I'm spending in the word and in God's presence, the more that the things of this world, uh, they, they, they make me sick, right? The more that I repel and I think of sin, right? I love sinners. I love the lost. I want people to know Jesus. But when I look, I was watching, you know, this is, this is, I was, I was looking at ESPN this morning, right? And, um, I think it was ESPN or, or it was one of the sports channels that I, uh, I follow and it's all-star weekend. And so, um, all of the celebrities, the who's who's, we just had a Super Bowl. So like the celebrities and people with influence and money, they're out and they're flying to these cities and they're spending large amounts of money and, um, they're drinking and partying and having a good time. Like I get it. They're adults. They can make their own decision. But what ESPN chooses to show and glorify, like I love the athlete. I really like watching John ja Morant play basketball. Like this guy is good. Okay. He's good. He does three sixties. He's just an amazing ball handler. He can finish at the rim. Um, he's just like, he, he is fun to watch. He is an amazing athlete. But on ESPN, they chose to show him on the plane heading to the All-Star Game. They're just like, John Morant's crazy. And this is a kid who, this is a guy who my kids look up to and a lot of people really enjoy. And what he's doing is he's, he's on the plane chugging a bottle of tequila. And then it shows him and he's got stacks of money and he's throwing it around and he's taking pictures. He's having a good time, man. The guy's just living. He's a kid. He's successful. He's living. He's having a blast out there. But what it shows is, 
kids, young people who look up to this man. He has all of this influence, millions of followers, and he's showing that this is this is how he's choosing, and it's his choice. There's no judgment here. It, it just breaks my heart that you know he's downing a bottle of tequila, a fifth of tequila, pulling a, a chug off of there, and he's just got stacks of money, and he's throwing it on his shoes, and it's just like this idolatry. So he's showing these young kids what cool is. So it's cool to take private jets and to chug bottles of alcohol and to have stacks of money, and he's probably going to go blow it on things, and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is what we are exalting as cool and this is what's popular and this is what's trendy and this is what you should do with your life and it, it, it breaks my heart because it's leading people down a path of destruction a path of destruction and so that's what i'm saying so the more time before years ago i would have been like oh that's dope man i, I want to meet this guy i'd love to take a picture i'd love to party with him i'd chug a bottle of alcohol with him and i you know ah uh, like it's gonna be so cool like i would love that but as I spend more time with God, it, it saddens me more than anything. It breaks my heart. And as I'm seeing this, it's just like, dude, it's so misleading. These people with positions of influence and power and respect and, and people who we, we, we lift up and we're just like, oh, that's it. They're, they're using their influence and power to lead people astray. And you might be like, oh, it's, it's, um, it's you know... It's just, oh, he's living it up. We can make all the excuses. He's young, he's successful. It's his money, it's his prerogative, it's his choice. Why are you being so hard? Stop judging him, Andrew. And it's, I'm not judging him. It, it really breaks my heart for people um, because that's what we think is cool and that's what we idolize and that's what people grow up to be. He's got he's he's got posters. He's, he's on posters around the world on young men's wall. People are looking up to him and they want to live like him, the lifestyle and emulate what he's doing because he's an amazing basketball player. And rather than using his influence to make a positive impact, alcohol and the love of money isn't a good thing, right? It's really not. And it's blinding people and they don't see the deception. They don't see the tactics of the enemy. They're blind to the truth. I don't know his heart. I don't know his relationship with God, uh, but it's just not a good look. Amen. Anyway, uh, I digress. I digress. So <clears throat> what we find on in, in Acts chapter 27, there's uh, the water was deep. And where they were going, so they lower an anchor. It was 120 feet deep. They went a little further in. They lowered the anchor. It was 90 feet deep. And as they were lowering it, what we see is that some of the sailors, right? Because there were sailors on this ship, and then there were um, what are you what are you talking about? What are you talking about? There's a uh, 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 there's there's prisoners, but there's also guards. So sailors, there's there's centurions and, and guards, and then there's the prisoners. And so as the sailors are lowering, lowering down the anchors, right, they're kind of looking over their shoulders and like we're getting close to land. They start to lower the lifeboat and they're going to abandon the, 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 the centurions, the guards and the, the prisoners. And so they lowered the lifeboat, pretending they were throwing in more anchors. But Paul told the officer and the other soldiers, he said, if they don't stay on the ship, your lives can't be saved. Like, we need the sailors, right? This, this is their job, but they're ready to leave everybody to save their own tails. So the soldiers cut the ropes and let the lifeboat fall into the water. So Paul was like, hey, they're about to leave, man. If they leave, we're done. So the soldiers go over there. They cut the ropes to the lifeboat. lifeboat and just before dawn, uh, Paul began persuading all the people to eat something. Right? It had been 14 days. Eat something. You need it to stay alive. Um, none of you will lose even one hair off your head. So after he said this, he broke some bread. He thanked God and everybody ate. They all started to feel better. And uh, there was 276 people on the ship. I share that just because that's a lot of people. When I'm thinking of this story, initially as I'm reading it, I'm thinking of a little tiny boat. I'm thinking, you know, there's probably five prisoners, maybe five guards. You got a small team of sailors. I'm thinking of this little boat. There's 276 people. 276 people on this boat. This is a massive boat that is being tossed around, that is being beat by the storm, the hurricane, the northeaster, uh, that they're trying to all hold together with ropes. And so what we see here is uh, when daylight comes, the sailors, they saw land. And they didn't know what land it was, but they saw a bay with a beach and wanted to sail the ship to the beach if they could. So they cut the ropes to the anchors and left the anchors in the sea. And at the same time, they untied the ropes that were holding the rudders. Then they raised the front sail into the wind and sailed straight towards the beach. But the ship hit a sandbank, 
the front of the ship, the ship stuck there and could not move, but the back of the ship was getting broken up by the waves. So the front of the ship is stuck. The waves are coming in. They're smashing the back of the ship. The ship is falling apart. So the soldiers, right, the first thing they think, they're like, you know what, we're going to kill the prisoners. We don't want them to swim to shore and escape, right? We let we lose our job. We know how pr the, the soldiers feel about prisoners escaping. Remember when Paul was in jail and the doors got flown open and the chains were loose from the earthquake, the Roman soldier was about to kill himself. He's about to lose his job. And Paul was just like, hey, don't do it. None of us have left. And so we know how the soldiers are feeling. They're just like, if we let these guys go and they escape, that's our head. So you know what's best is let's kill them now. We don't got to worry about it. But Julius was the officer who, was, uh, who Paul had favor with. He, he wanted to let Paul live. And if you kill one one prisoner, you got to kill them all, right? And so um, the the Paul the the Julius did not allow the soldiers to kill the prisoners. Instead, he ordered everyone who could swim to jump in the water first and swim to land. The rest were to follow using wooden boards or pieces of the ship. And this is how all the people, two hundred and seventy six of them, made it safely to land. God is good, and He's a God of His uh, uh, of answering. Uh, his promises. If he promised it, it's happening. Amen. If it's if he promised it, it's happening. Glory to God. So what we see is uh, we're going to start Acts chapter 28. And um, I'm excited. We're going to end that. It's kind of the, the, the story of Paul, first off, being in the island of Malta. We understand that some crazy stuff happens while he's there. Um, he makes it to Rome. And then we start Romans on Monday. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys. Uh, this is what I want to do is we're going to jump into Psalm 109. You guys are going to read Psalm 109 on your own. Um, what we see is a slanderous tongue. It's talking about um, all of the people who are coming against the people of God, the way that they speak, the way that they act, the way that they treat them. And it talks about the punishment that the wicked will uh, will receive. If uh, I, I seen If you guys are struggling with this kind of stuff with all of the things. Um, I don't know how to clean house in the chat, right? I don't want to take away from the time. If you guys want to put your phone down, look at me right here. Look at me right here. This is, well, what, what, what we're seeing here is this is a distraction, right? This is a distraction. And this is like the world that we live in. There are going to be distractions, right? Eyes on the prize, eyes on the word of God. And, and this is, a great picture of what happens in the spiritual realm. We can be focused on the word of God in our prayer. And then there, the enemy is coming in. He doesn't want you to be focused. He doesn't want you to be locked in. And so there's going to be distraction. Notice how I haven't even addressed it. You guys are freaking out in the chat. You're like, take care of this. This is crazy. What's going on with all the bots? Ah, focus. Use This is a great time to exercise your focus, your attention, and your ability to retain information. Okay, this is a spiritual exercise. Eyes on the prize, and the prize is eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is great. We want this kind of interaction because what it does is it boosts the algorithm. So now more people are going to get a chance to experience the word of God. Amen. You see what I'm saying? So as more people come in and they comment and they interact, the, the more popular this post seems. And so Instagram goes, oh, it's popular. There's 700 people on here and they're all being super interactive. Uh, what do we need to do? This is a popular creator. Let's push this out to people who have never seen it and give them a chance to see. And so many of you are probably on here because of days like this. So I encourage days like this where it's filled with distraction. There's people from around the world. They are unknowingly and unwittingly preaching the gospel right now. So, so they're actually... Actually, what's meant for evil and as a distraction, what they're doing is they're actually help furthering and spreading the word of God. So we embrace it and we do so with a calm manner. We show them love and encouragement. We don't get mad. We don't get frustrated, right? As Christians, we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. And before, when this first started, I would get so frustrated. And I'd be like, ah, I'd be so mad. But 120 days in the Word of God, we empty ourselves of ourselves. Our initial reaction is to get frustrated or to get annoyed. But if Christ is in us, annoyed isn't one of the fruit of the spirits. Frustration isn't one of the fruit of the spirits, right? Uh, anger isn't one of the fruit of the spirits. So we empty ourselves of ourselves. We fill ourselves with Him. And we understand that there's a plan and a purpose behind everything. Thing. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns for good and for his glory. 
So these people, these these are all these are all digital missionaries and they're evangelists and they're helping us spread the word of God around the world and they don't even know it. Their intentions are ill, but God's able to utilize this in order to make a larger impact. Amen. So that's the mindset and the attitude that we take. Eyes up here. Don't focus on this. Listen, ears to hear, eyes to see. This is a great spiritual practice. Amen. Come on now. Ah. Anyway, Psalm chapter 109, there's one thing that really stood out to me. And that's in verse four. It says, um, again, talking about, <clears throat> it says, hold not thy peace, O God of my praise, for the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. They compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. So there's people coming against him. They're speaking against him. There's these false accusations. People are lying on him. People are being rude and disrespectful. And, uh, you know, anybody relate to that? We all have. I mean, I can I can only say I've been in situations where people have talked poorly about me. They've made fun of me. They've spread rumors about me. They've lied. They've tried to damage my reputation. And I'm talking about just like in middle school, man. I can look back at a time in my life when I was bullied or when I was made fun of. And, um... You know, I felt that. But in verse four, he says, for, for my love, they are my adversaries. But he says, but I give myself unto prayer. And, and, and that's what I want to talk about. So you guys are reading Psalm chapter 109 on your own. I want to be very brief with this. And we know how brief goes with me. Um, I give myself unto prayer. I spoke about this on TikTok live yesterday because it really spoke to my heart is um, this addiction to prayer. But he gives himself unto prayer. You guys... We have, we have gotten into a place, and I heard this in a sermon, this isn't an original thought, but it really spoke to my spirit. We've gotten into a place where we've become addicted to prayer. Oh, I need your prayers. Andrew, I need your prayers. Brother, I need your prayers. And I was listening to Dan Moeller, and uh, he's, he's a great pastor, and what he said, he was like, I don't even ask people how they're doing anymore. Right? And, and, and listen to this with a heart of reception. He's like, it's not because I'm not empathetic. It's not because I don't love them or because I don't care. He's like, I do. But when I ask somebody, a Christian, how they're doing, it's usually followed by two complaints and a prayer request, right? Oh, I'm going through this. You know, this is happening over here. I need you to pray for me, right? And what Dan Moeller was saying is that that's not a bad thing, but we've become addicted to asking for prayer. We've become addicted to that. And he said, more so than prayer, we, we need more than prayers. We need a mindset change or a heart posture change, right? We need prayer for every bump, bruise, and scrape. Oh, I stubbed my toe, brother. I need prayer. Oh, I'm going through it here. I need prayer. I'm constantly needing prayer, 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 prayer. And what he was saying is that as Christians, there's time and time again that says that we shouldn't be grumbling, that we shouldn't be complaining, that we shouldn't be so focused on our circumstances, and that many times our prayer should be rather uh, rather than about asking for things and changing our situation, but more about changing us in our heart. And so we'll sit here and we'll pray about my situation. God, I need you to pray for my situation. Pray for my situation. Pray for my situation. And God's saying, stop asking everybody to pray for your situation. You pray for your perspective and your heart to change in this situation because I have you here and there's things that are going on and I'm allowing them in order to change you. So let's please stop trying to change the circumstances and see what God is trying to pull out in your situation, right? It's, 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 uh, it's a challenging concept and it's super hard. Um, but, but another thing is people have asked, well, Andrew, I need a prayer for this. How do I pray for this? How do I pray for this? And I've got an entire video called talking about prayer. And, and what we've mistaken is that there's a certain cadence or order of words that we need to pray in order for God to hear us. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is open, honest, transparent communication between you and God, right? He doesn't want you to recite the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, it was a template, right? It was, it was a template. And the first thing he starts with is praise. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So when you enter into prayer, the first thing that you do is reverence. 
right? Reverence. You give him reverence and praise and you just honor who he is. That's This is a template of how our prayer should go. But most of the time, our, our prayer we use as a laundry list of our needs and our wants and our desires and our complaints and our gripes. And again, that's not a bad thing because he wants open, honest, transparent prayer. But we look to Matthew and the Lord's Prayer as a template that we just recite, thinking that God wants vain repetition, but he's very clear that that's not what he desires. He desires an intimate relationship. But what Jesus does, he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the very next thing that he says is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't say, Lord, my will be done and change my situation. He says, look, regardless of everything that's going on, your will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. God, first off, I praise you. Second off, I want your will. So if your will is for me to be in this place, that's what I want. Do you guys understand that your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven, as God's will is done, as what he's decided, what he's planned, what he's purposed, his will, his goal, his vision, his dream, his direction. So when you're praying, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, that's what we're asking for. God, regardless of what I'm going through, I'm not here asking you to change everything around me. I'm asking you to change me. It starts with me and my heart posture and my vision. This is a hard concept to grasp, right? You're my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven, right? Give me today my daily bread. So he's asking for daily provision. Oh, Lord, don't, it's not God give me a mansion or God make this happen in the future. Oh, God, the, it, it's today. God, give me today what I need. Give me the manna from to, the, the manna that I need for today. Give me the resources. Give me the, the 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 provision. Give me the connections. Give me the souls that I need to tend to today. God, God, give me today my daily bread. I I need. Give me only what I need for today. Tomorrow might not be promised. I might not wake up tomorrow. So I'm not going to concern myself or become overly analytical or anxious about tomorrow. I, I need only what I need for this present moment because today you gave me breath. Today you gave me a pulse. Today I have a purpose. And so I only need what I need today to get through this with a joyful heart, with cheer and understanding that if I die today, I have Jesus and I know where I go. This doesn't erase all of the things that are happening around us, but we're asking God to change our heart in this situation. So my father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us Lord today our daily bread, right? Uh, how else does it go? Deliver us from the hand of evil right? Lead us not into temptation. We're asking for leading, guiding. We're, we're, we're here on today. I'm looking it up, right? It's right here. Boom, boom, boom. What else? Hang tight while I find it. Come on. Words in red. What chapter is it? Does anybody know? I'm in Matthew right now. I'm looking to you guys for help. You're like, Andrew, you're a pastor. How do you guys not, how do you not know what chapter the Lord's prayer is in? Because I told you. Matthew chapter six. I was just there. Right, I had my thumb on it. So look, thank you guys for being patient with me. It says, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I got the King James Version, uh, just FYI. Thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's powerful. So Lord, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a ask, Lord, forgive us for our debts. Jesus paid the price. We understand that we're forgiven. Uh, forgive us just like we've forgiven other people. Wait. Hold on a second. Lord, forgive us for our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. Hold on a second. If you're holding or harboring unforgiveness, right? And, and you're, you're, you're not forgiving people. This is a whole thing too. Look, a lot of people say forgiveness takes time. Does it though? Does forgiveness truly take time? D did Jesus hang on the cross and go, hey, look, <clears throat> I'm going to forgive you, but it's going to take a little bit of time. No, 
you were forgiven. When you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. He balled them up and threw them into the sea of forgetfulness, right? Imagine Jesus going, look, man, you know, I love you. And, uh, you know, but it's going to take some time to forgive you. It's going to take some time to forgive you. The, the, the topic of forgiveness is talked about over and over and over. And this is where we're going to go, well, Andrew, but it's hard. You don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. Imagine Jesus saying that, right? As, as we are supposed to embody and be who Jesus is, as he came and he led by example and showed us exactly how we need to be, how we need to live, how we need to love, how we need to forgive. I can't imagine Jesus saying, but God, you don't know what they did to me. They, they, they lied about me. They've turned their back on me. They've walked away from me. You want me to forgive them? Okay, God, but it's going to take some time. It's just going to take time. But, but, but God, you don't know what they did to me. You don't understand. They, they did all of these things to me and you want me to forgive them like now, but it takes time. We're supposed to forgive 70 times seven. So we're here asking God to forgive us our trespasses. as We've forgiven those who sinned against us, yet we're holding on to things and we're holding on to unforgiveness and we're not allowing ourselves to move forward because we're allowing people to live in our head rent free. We're allowing them to, 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 to change who we are. Unforgiveness doesn't change the person, it changes us. And that is not the character of Christ. I won't go too much in on that. That wasn't where we were going with this. But then we say, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Right? Jesus, God doesn't want us to get up every morning and read Matthew chapter 6, uh, you know, verses 7 through 14. Like, that's not what he wants. He leaves that as a template for us to loosely follow. That's how we are communicating with God. That's how we are entering into his presence. Many times when we're praying, that's the template that we're holding on to. We're honoring him and giving him glory. We're asking for his will to be done. But so many of us have become addicted to asking everybody for prayer about things that maybe we don't need prayer about. Maybe we need a heart change or a heart posture. Every time I stub my toe or bruise my my ankle or I, I, I do this or that, I don't always need prayer. We've become addicted to asking individuals for prayer. That's not a bad thing to ask others for prayer. You don't have to agree with me on this, right? And I love praying for you guys. So this isn't a shot for you guys who ask me for prayer. I will always lift you guys up in prayer. But sometimes it's not prayer that we need. It's a posture of heart that we need. It's a perspective change of what we need because we might be praying for the situation to change when God wants the situation to change you. Amen. And so that's why in Psalm chapter 109, um, I, I, it, it spoke to me. I give myself unto prayer, which I love. I am praying without ceasing. Like I said, I'm not disconnecting after coffee and prayer. I'm staying in tune with the Father. I'm staying locked in in word and in his presence and in prayer. And we're constantly going back and forth. I'm fixing my heart. I'm fixing my mind. I'm fixing everything on communication, communion, and being with him. That's what I'm doing here. But I'm also being very aware and conscious that I don't need prayer for every single thing. Some things need a heart change. Some things need a perspective change. And that right there in and of itself will change our prayers. Amen. That's a challenging concept. I'm not sure if you guys are there. Um, it's something that I'm, I'm just now walking into. And some of you guys have been there and have, have, have gone, have had mastered this uh, this concept and are doing advanced, you know, understanding, but, but that's just it. I remember when I shared with you guys that a guy got mad at me because he said, spiritual maturity is not a thing. We're all Christians. We're all saved. And, you know, I'm tired of you talking about how mature you are. And I don't share those things because I'm trying to say that I'm mature. There are literally people on here. I didn't even know where the Lord's prayer was guys. I didn't know. I knew it was in Matthew. I didn't know it was in Matthew 6. I am not some spiritual guru who sits on this hill with my legs crossed, hovering, elevating with, you know, and I'm just this spiritual master. I'm a guy in a Jeep who loves Jesus, and I want to see you guys succeed. I want us all to be on the same page. Um, 
you know, if you're new to Christ, it even says in the Bible that you you, you have to move on from spiritual formula and, and, and start chewing on, you know, more solid food. And as you mature in Christ, as you spend more time in his word and in his presence, your knowledge and understanding and wisdom of the word and how God operates, it matures. And so for those of you who are just new to the faith, you are, you are you know, still maturing and grasping concepts. And I'm still new to the faith, so I'm at a certain level. There are people who are on this live who are far more spiritually mature than I am. I'm learning things every single day because there's people who have spent more time in the word. My brother Henry has spent over 40,000 hours in the Bible. And so these are individuals who I look up to and I glean information and knowledge and wisdom from. So I have people who are teaching me and speaking into my life and, and are there holding me accountable and helping me to mature. So I don't come here as like, I've reached the peak of maturity. Man, I'm in Christ, I'm like a, a spiritual preteen. I'm just getting into the faith. Some of you guys are spiritual infants. Some of you guys are spiritual seniors. Like you guys are way out there. And, and I get that. We're all in this trying to sharpen, encourage, and, uh, you know, inspire each other to spend more time with God and to be more diligent about the choices and decisions that we make. We all want to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. And some of us, some of the things that I talk about, you might be like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that. And in and, and, and time, God will God will reveal those things to you as you stay focused, as you like, like when I was first, when I first came to Christ, there were things that I thought believed and had opinions about that have changed over the last 10 years. So when I first got saved, there were things and ideas and beliefs that I held to as a Christian. I believed that I was saved, but I was still learning. I spent more time in this world than I did in the word. And so there were a lot of habits and ideas and beliefs and behaviors that needed to be changed and transformed as I spent time with God. The more time and I was like, man, the word of God says this, but I feel like this. What should change? My opinion or the word? It's probably my opinion. I need I need to allow the Bible and the word of God to confront me, to challenge me, and to help change my perspective and point of view on things. And so I spend more time and I'm not right about everything. I, I'm still learning and still growing, as are all of us on here. Right? Amen. Amen. You guys, let's get up out of here. Let's pray. I know some of you guys are still freaking out about the the stuff going on here. You guys are just like, I can't handle it. It's too much. <laughs> There's my brother Henry right there. He says, Jesus is speaking through you, Andrew, so you don't use notes. You're doing God's work for him. Keep it up, my friend. I love you, fam. I really do. I look forward to seeing you at church tomorrow. If you get to make it, that'll be dope. Um, but anyway, let's pray. Let's get up out of here. It's Saturday. I got to do baptisms today. I'm so excited. We're baptizing in the ocean at Dockweiler Beach at noon. If you guys are in the area and you're just like, I want to I want to be baptized. Uh, you want to make that decision. It's not too late to sign up. You can just show up. We're bringing some extra certificates for drop-ins. You know, what happens sometimes is people are, it's, in, it's happening and, you know, somebody might bring somebody who's on the fence and they see their friend and they come out and they're changed and transformed and they look new and the heavens open and it's this beautiful thing and they're just like i kind of want to be baptized too and it's like come on you jump in this ocean with me i'll baptize you today it's beautiful but um i want to pray look it's long today we went a little over i'm not sorry so heavenly father we just want to thank you god for your love your mercy your grace we're so appreciative that you would meet us here in this place, that you would use social media as a, a safe place for us to gather and um, just to share in your word, to share in your presence. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. God, we just thank you for allowing us to have the divine revelation of who your son Jesus is. And, um, you know, just, just igniting a fire within us to burn bright in this dark world. We're so grateful, so thankful. Lord, we ask that your will would be done in our lives. God, if it's not from you, we don't want it. Lord, we ask that you would close doors that don't line up with your word, your plan, or your purpose. God, we lift up our requests, all of the things that we think we need, all of the things that we think we want, all of the things that we believe will bring us peace, joy, happiness, and satisfaction. We lift these things up and ask that you, Lord, would breathe life into it according to your will. So God, we want your will to be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. If it's not a part of your plan or purpose, we ask that you would give us the discernment and the knowledge and the wisdom to understand that that's not the direction you want us to go, Lord. We don't want to walk through doors. We don't want to go to places that aren't from you. 
If you didn't open the door, we pray that you close it because we don't want to spend one more moment out of step from where you are taking us. So God, we ask that you would forgive us for any of our sins, our failures, our trespasses, any of the mistakes that we've made. And we pray that you would help us to learn from them and grow from them so that we do not repeat the same thing over and over and over again. It's so exhausting, Lord. We look to you for peace and for comfort. God, we ask that you would uh, provide for us, that, that we understand that you've brought us to a place. We ask that you would make sure that we have all that we need. We know that you love us, that you care for us, that we are your children, and that all of the things that we have today are all of the things that we need. And most importantly, if all we have is your son Jesus and what he did on the cross, then we have truly all of the things that will bring us peace, comfort, understanding, purpose, and satisfaction. God, as we leave this place, we ask that you would lead us and guide us, that you would protect us from the plans and plots of the evil one, that we would equip ourselves with your armor, that you would lead us in Ephesians 6 by applying the armor that you've provided for us so that we can stand firm on you. You are our rock. You are our solid ground. You are our foundation, our refuge, and our strong tower. It's in you that we put our hope and our faith, not in the things of this world. And we pray that anything that is distracting us or pulling at our attention or has us confused or fearful or worried or angry, Lord, that you would tear those things down from your throne, that you would reach down and tear those things down, that you would destroy anything that comes against your chosen people. We are so grateful and honored that you would hear our prayer this morning. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Men, I just want to say I thank you guys. I love you. I honor you. I appreciate you. And um, I look forward to seeing you guys back here tomorrow as we finish up Acts chapter 28 and we start on Psalm chapter 110. And guys, thank you. I appreciate the the badges this morning. 140 bucks, uh, absolute blessing. This goes for towards us purchasing the things that we need for baptisms today. We're also doing. Uh, we're doing communion tomorrow at church. I'm excited to do our first communion collectively. So you guys have helped us uh, provide the the resources and all of the things that we need um, for for our church, man. It really, it really, truly, honestly helps. So thank you guys. I love you. I honor you, and I will see you guys all back here tomorrow.